Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey guys, this is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Glad you're here. Alex, how are you? I'm good. Ready for another one. Hey, I don't know if I told you this, Alex. I'm starting a new podcast, a second podcast with Corey Boatwright. Did I tell you this yet? Uh, I saw it announced, actually. Yeah, so it's to be like on tech and stuff like that, right? Yeah, it's called the Real Estate Tech Show. <laughs> cool. Like I don't have enough on my plate. Very appropriate name. Yes, well, I, I love technology, and Corey does too, and Corey and I are constantly like, if I'm trying to find some tool that does something online or something that, like a software or a service, I think of Corey and I text him, and uh, he does the same to me, and whenever we're at Masterminds together or something like that, we're always kind of the guys that people refer to when they want some help with software technology or systems or whatever, and so we love technology, so... We uh, will be launching this in the next few weeks. I'm excited about it. But uh, I have I have one other thing to tell you. Okay. Have you ever met Tony Robbins? I have not, but I saw your picture. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Woo. I didn't I didn't know either. I was that short, or he was that big. I mean, he is literally. He looks like he's six feet taller than me, or something. I just feel like he's a tall fella. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. So I thought this, you know, when I met him, super nice guy. He was at a conference, a ClickFunnels conference uh, a few months ago. And so I got my picture taken with him. And um, yeah, I didn't think, you know, when I was there with him, shook his hand, talked to him for just a quick minute. I didn't think he was that big, you know, but looking at that picture, <laughs> I feel like a little uh, dwarf. So he's funny, funny. <laughs> but hey, listen. Oh, I want to jump into this uh, interview with Tony because we I don't have much time. I got to get going here. And sure. uh, but I'm good to talking to you, Alex. Oh, you too, man. <laughs> hey, so we got a special guest. His name is Tony. Tony Javier and Alex. This guy lives in San Diego, one of like the worst, ugliest, boring places to live in the world. Right? Uh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> and uh no, I'm just kidding. I used to live there. It's beautiful. And uh, he's doing deals in virtually in Wichita, Kansas. And um, so, Tony, how are you, man? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Really good. Excellent. Good. I'm excited to be on the show today. So we met Tony, or I met Tony, probably about a year, year and a half ago at the Collective Genius Mastermind. And um, Tony, I don't uh, specifically remember meeting you, but I'm sure that when I did, you you were a really nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you weren't too bad yourself. All right, but um, we kept in touch over a little bit over the uh, over the last year or two, and your assistant reached out to me and and I wanted to get you on the show because you're doing some cool things in Kansas. Now you're from Kansas, right? That's correct. Born and raised in Wichita, Kansas. And you live in San Diego. Why on earth would you leave Wichita, Kansas, to live in San Diego? 
Well, people ask me, why didn't I leave earlier, actually? Okay. No, I mean, San Diego is a beautiful place. I, I uh, visited here in 2010 for the first time, and my aunt had a car and a condo out here she didn't use, and so she said, you can use it any time, and came out here, fell in love with it, and I was out here about every three months, you know, because I could work virtually from pretty much anywhere, and I, I told myself that I would move here someday. Uh-huh. And at that time, I, um, you know, had a small team that was, honestly, I was struggling to keep good people. And I just kept having this vision of moving to San Diego. And uh, long story short, I just, you know, decided that I needed to hire some better people, get my business systemized. And within about four years or so of uh, visiting San Diego, I was able to get my business kind of running on its own and made the jump and moved out to San Diego. I mean this with all respect, but when I, your name, Tony Javier, I was totally shocked to hear that you were from Wichita and not from San Diego, if you know what I mean. Uh, Do you find that uh, people are surprised because of your name to hear that you're not from California? Well, the thing that I get more in San Diego than I did in Wichita is I'll get, because we're so close to the Mexico border, is I'll get people speaking Spanish to me. Uh. Especially when they hear my name. So they're talking and I'm like, what the hell are you saying? I have no idea what you're saying. And they're super surprised that I don't speak Spanish. So if anything, that's that's probably the biggest difference from Wichita to San Diego. Oh, that's crazy. Are you working on that? Are you taking Spanish lessons? No, I took them in high school. I took two years of Spanish in high school, and honestly, I don't remember much of it. So I've got so many other things in my head that I think Spanish is the last thing that i need to put in this little brain porquito so. porquito <laughs> who knows what that means that has something that just means that a little means, bit yeah no i think it's puckito yeah puckito yeah i think it's pucky that's what i do know because i i when people <laughs> say you speak spanish i'm like puckito so unless i'm saying it wrong i don't know all right, I'm going to check real quick. Go ahead. So all of our <laughs> all of our spanish friends that are listening to this are laughing hysterically right now <laughs> but uh well, tony glad you're on the show man so what kind of deals were you doing in when you were living in kansas so when i was in wichita i was i, I pretty much i started the business on my own back in 2001 15 years ago or 16 now i uh, bought a course on tv and it taught you how to buy properties with no money down who who was which it which is what i do now still uh carlton sheets yes yes no down payment system. He's a legend. He was, I want uh, the pi- CDs. Pioneer. Get me the CDs. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. So awesome. So yeah, just uh, yeah, I took that system. And I just started buying properties with other people's money, and uh, awesome. I, you implemented we'll do that. It. That's right. That's what most people miss is the implementation. But that's uh, right. Yeah, I just started rocking and rolling on it, and that's what we do now. We buy uh, fix and flip properties. We We'll do. Uh, we'll probably do close to 100 deals this year, and our main focus is buying property that we can fix and flip. But we do cherry pick about 20% of those to keep as rent to own properties, which Joe, you know a lot about. Yeah. And so we collect down payments from tenants that want to buy the property. We work with them on their on their credit, and we get them financed typically within uh, you know six to 24 months, so they can own the home and we can get cashed out. So that's that's kind of our model. So 
why will you go for the lease option instead of the fix up just for what purpose? Why wouldn't you fix and flip all of them? Well, a few different reasons. Number one is uh, the financial part of it. I mean, obviously, we're helping people to own homes they normally wouldn't have. So there's there's definitely a benefit there. Sure. Um, but uh, the financial part of it, I mean, we can we can make let's say fifteen thousand to twenty thousand dollars on a traditional fiction flip, and my price range is you know around a hundred thousand, give or take. But if we do a lease option, we save money on real estate commissions. We save money on not having to pay buyers' closing costs because in a traditional sale, that's typically what they ask for. But in a lease option, we make them pay their own. We get a higher purchase price. We don't negotiate on our price. And I think I'm missing a couple other things in there. But basically, we save anywhere cash from flow. five to You got cash, cash, flow. cash flow, write-offs. Cash flow. And if we own it more than 12 months, we can do a 1031 exchange and defer Let the taxes to... So- so, like, if you, what's your average month? How many houses do you buy in an average month? We'll buy about seven or eight. Okay. And out of those, how many are you keeping as a lease to own? Uh, I think about 20%. I think we kept somewhere between 15 and 20 last year. Okay. So, on that deal there what does a deal look like that's a lease to own is it because it has a lower amount of equity is it because will you use a bigger spread deal as a as a lease option or how does that come how does that work well when we look at a deal that we're buying if it doesn't look good as a fix and flip so okay. we like to make 20 we like to make twenty thousand dollars on our flips minimum uh we can in make San up Diego. 50 or 60 no. but no this is just in wichita oh wichita okay it's in Wichita. So if my acquisitions guy says, hey, this isn't a good uh, fix and flip property, we can make 10000 on a flip, then we, all, we always look at the rent-to-own side and say, okay, is this worth tying up our bank financing and or cash to do a rent-to-own? And how much can we make on a rent-to-own? And typically, if it's we call it left and right on our spreadsheet. If it's 10000 on the left, which is a fix and flip, then we look to the right side of our spreadsheet and say, okay, if we were to rent to own this house, what could we make on it by not paying real estate commissions and all the things that I just talked about? Interesting. And if we can make 20 on the right side, then we'll do the deal. And that allows us to buy a lot more properties because we used to turn those deals down that we could only make sure. eight or 10 grand on because we didn't want to tie up our, our resources. But now we can make 20 on every single deal just by, uh, implementing the rent-to-own model. Interesting. Nice. Nice. Uh, so you will actually take the deal down. You won't take over financing or anything like that. You'll go. You'll even on a skinnier, if you will, deal. You'll actually go ahead and pay cash for it, or take it, or or get financing. That's correct. Our our model is most of the time we use private lending. If we've got quite a bit of cash available, then we'll go ahead and pay cash for the properties. But either way, we'll fix those up. And if we don't flip them and sell them, then we'll do a rent to own. And at that time, we'll turn around and go to a bank. And instead of paying you know, 10% or 12% on private money, then we'll get yeah. uh, permanent financing and only have to pay you know, 4.5% to 5% for the year to two years that it takes for them to typically finance. Interesting. Good for you. Love lease options. That's a great model. In fact, just last week, my tenant moved out of my rent-to-own home 
that he has been in for almost eight or nine years, and he's never missed a payment. <laughs> and of course, he didn't buy it, but he's never missed a payment. And yeah. I never got one call to fix anything, except something once, I think, and I, I told him he was responsible for it. But like, yeah, he's taking care of the property this whole time. But uh, So what does that number look like? Now what? I don't know what to do yet. He just gave me the keys last Friday. And so I don't know. I might, I don't know, probably turn you around and do it again. you got payments to make. you yeah. got payments to make, right? Yeah, yeah, but I'm thinking I might keep it. So I'm trying to decide whether to just sell it or do another lease option on it or just rent it. And it, it's, it's a good area. So I don't know. When I hmm. figure it out, I'll, I'll tell you. And, Go ahead, sure. Tony. And that's the other thing I did. That's the other thing I did mention is I bet that guy took better care of it because he thought oh, he was yeah. going to buy it, right? Oh, yeah. Yes, that's good. That's true. Took a lot better care of it. All right. So, Tony, I know a little bit about Kansas because I have – Clients there, coaching clients that have tried to do marketing in Kansas and have struggled with it because it's a non-disclosure state, right? Which means it's hard to get lists of absentee owners. Is that, am I right? That is correct. Um, <laughs> do you know why? It's funny because I, I, yeah. Do you know why I'm laughing? We don't want to fill in any of these little blanks, I guess. <laughs> well, 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 go ahead. What were no, you going to say, Tony? No, I don't. I don't mind touching on that. No, it's. Okay. it's I've struggled with that over the years. Anytime I call a list provider, I used to. I kind of gave up on them, but um, I, I know what list we can get now. But I used to ask what kind. Of, you know, how many people are in this category? Absentee owners or you know, whatever I was trying to get at the time. And they'd be like, oh yeah, we can get that list. Don't worry about it. And they would price it out. And then when they'd go to search, they couldn't find anything. They're like, we don't understand what's going on. And so, yeah, it's, it's a non-disclosure. It's hard to get information. There are some lists you can get and I'll, I'll disclose what I get. I, I don't have anything to hide. We do high equity lists. So you still can get that information. People that have paid their house down to a certain price point. Do so you get that from a list broker? We do get that from the list broker. Hmm. How accurate that is, I don't know, but you know, it, it, we've been semi-successful in with that list. Um, everybody knows about probate, so you can go down to the courthouse and get probate leads from the courthouse. It's something that you can't buy from a list provider, but you can get down at the courthouse. My guy in Wichita handles all that. There's one or two other lists that we hit that I can't think of off the top of my head. But there are certain lists you can get uh, from a list provider, and I don't understand why you can get some lists and why you, why you can't get others. But uh, it is it is much tougher in Kansas to, to answer your question. I'm here at List Source right now, and when you go to geography and the, pick the state, guess what? You do not see Kansas anywhere in that list. <laughs> but there, you're right. There That's are why. ways. There are ways, and maybe when we're offline, <laughs> I will tell you. My one of my ways, because we have done some marketing there, and we're overwhelmed to be honest with the response. Um, so cool. we'll talk about that later. <laughs> and you maybe you already you probably already know about it. You just don't feel the the liberty yet to talk about it on a, a podcast. But that's okay. I get it. Do you find there's much competition in Kansas because it's harder to do direct mail? 
there's competition everywhere. I mean, some of the, you know, the bigger markets with the big players like, um, you know, the hedge funds and things like that, those are more competitive than, you know, any other markets, but any market's competitive, you know, Wichita has become really competitive over the last five years because you have a lot of these big companies coming in and teaching people how to, you know, how to, to flip houses. So everyone, everyone and their dog thinks they're, they're a house flipper now. And so, um, for that main reason, it's, it's competitive from the standpoint of not getting lists. Yeah. I mean, anytime you can get into a niche that it's harder for people to get into, there's a little bit less competition. So I'm sure there's some things that we do with direct mail that my team has done that, you know, not a lot of people do because it does take more time to, to get those lists or it takes some creativity to, you know, to be able to put some of those things together. And even, even if you can get that information, as you know, if someone's not willing to be consistent about it and spend the money to do it, it's not going to, it's not going to number one work. And number two, it's not going to last, you know, because with direct mail or TV or radio and all these things that we do, we've got to do them for at least three to six months for them really to prove themselves to whether they're going to work or not. And you got to continually test your message. You got to tweak it. And, you know, you got to do a lot of different things to make sure that you're getting across to your, to your audience and that they're responding to you. So a lot of different things that, you know, will determine whether you can be successful in anything and you just got to, you know, keep at it. And that's why we do what we do. And, you know, there's not, you know, a lot of people that do properties on a large scale. Typically it's, it seems like a lot of the smaller players that do, you know, a little bit here and there that kind of take up a lot of the, a lot of the properties. Can I ask you some questions about maybe some of the systems and technology that you use? Absolutely. Do you what do you use for your CRM? We use two different things. Actually, you and uh, Dan did a presentation on Podio. Yeah, real automation. And I appreciate that, but yep, exactly. And I appreciate that because that's the first time we'd heard about Podio, or may have heard about it before. But I think you guys really shined a big light on it. So now we use Podio, which has really helped us to automate our responses to be able to follow up more consistently. And my call center is much more efficient because of that. So we use Podio to take our incoming leads and do a lot of follow-up and automation. And then we use Infusionsoft for our email blasts and a lot of other configurations that, that we need to use on top of Podio. So those are the two things we use for our CRM. Interesting. You don't meet too many people that you do FreedomSoft, I'm sorry, Podio and Infusionsoft. The so what specifically do you know are you using in Infusionsoft? Is it just the emails? Are you doing any other kind of automation with that? Uh that's a good question. You know what, honestly, I, I, I've only logged into Podio once, if that tells you anything. Like I hate getting into those systems. They're very good, but you have to have a certain brain to to dive into them and really like doing that. That tells me so you're I you're don't you're a in- really good business owner. That's what that tells me. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm a very good I'm a very good entrepreneur. Yeah, yes. I just I'd stay away from that stuff because anytime I touch it, I mess it up. So, but yeah, I think it's mainly emails, and there might be some back end stuff that, like if then sequences and things like that that my team uses, but uh, it's mainly emails. Well, that's awesome. So you're I love <laughs> I love it when I ask that question and and the guy that I'm interviewing doesn't know the answer. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I wish I was like that, <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm not. So cool. Now you have a team then that manages this kind of stuff for you. I mean, if you're not even in Podio ever, 
What kind of team do you have around you that helps you with all this stuff? So I've got a team that handles everything from A to Z. And basically what I do is I just oversee it. I get a weekly email with all the updates for where we are in properties, what we put under contract, just a a quick snapshot of the whole business. And then I have one weekly call with my executive there. And then I approve all the contracts, budgets, pretty much all the high-level stuff that a business owner should be approving. And so from A to Z, basically it starts with marketing. So I've got kind of a small marketing team that does our direct mail. And I do the TV commercials and radio voices and things like that. So I still have my hands in that a little bit. So it starts with the marketing. And then I've got a call center that has two gals in the office there that take all of our buyer and seller calls. And then they set up the appointments for my acquisition guy. So my acquisition guy goes out and puts the properties under contract. And he's the one that's going to take the pictures, do the preliminary budgets, send me all of the information so that I can approve it. And then Mm -hmm. after I approve it, then it goes to my project manager. Then my project manager does an inspection. She does a full scope of work. She meets the contractors and she gets it all lined out. And then she'll send me a final budget and say, my guy was right. My guy was wrong or, you know, whatever touches she needs to put on it so that I can give a final approval. Then we close on it that she takes it to closing. And then I've got a transaction coordinator that gets the MLS listing ready and does all the backend paperwork, gets all the, and basically takes it all the way to closing. And then the person in my office that oversees all of that that took my place basically is my president and he uh, oversees the team. He manages them, meets with them weekly, you know, handles all the compensation, all the team meetings and basically runs everything as if I were there. So that's kind of my, a snapshot of my team from A to Z. Impressive. How do you uh, pay your uh, people in a snapshot quick way? With money. They love that's money. a good idea. <laughs> like you, what do you mean? Like 1099 or payroll? Is that, is that what you're asking, Alex? Yeah. How, is it a commission? Is it salary? How do you do it? No, it's, I, I like, I like being able to have a lot of that in house. I mean, if I were to start all over, there's probably some things that I would outsource and not have that big of a team, but I'm lucky that I have just great people on my team. But yeah, I, I, I employ all of them. They're all W-2. I bought an office building about four or five years ago. Wow. And so everyone's in the office there every day. And a lot of them can work remotely, project managers and people that are, you know, my property manager that manages my rentals. And, you know, so they're out and about quite a bit. But, uh, yeah, they're all W-2. They all work in the office. They all work well as a team. And, uh, yeah, they're all rock stars. It's awesome. Now, Tony, you've got, I counted about six or seven people. Is that right? Six or seven full-time people working for you? Yeah, I believe we're at seven in the office. And then I've got a lot of rental properties and we do a lot of fix and flips. So I've got six or seven guys that are out in the field that are doing work orders on rental properties or final punch list items on properties we're putting on the market and some staging for us because we do stage all of our houses. So they'll, you know, hang pictures and, and do final punch list items to get houses on the market. So we're, I think seven in office and seven, seven out in the field. So about 14 or 15 people. That's, that's a lot of overhead, isn't it? It is. It is. That's what, that's why we've got to buy about a hundred properties a year to 
<laughs> to make this machine run. So Wow. So what's your philosophy on that, Tony? I mean, would you rather have a small business that has fewer moving parts, smaller overhead, but more of your involvement, or a bigger business that has a lot more moving parts, but a lot less of, of your involvement because you have a president in place? Does that make sense? And in both scenarios, you'd be making about the same amount of money take home. Who? great question um (laughs) well if the same bottom line is there obviously probably smaller because you have less risk but my thing is my philosophy is is that now starting over i'd probably do it a little bit differently like i said i'd probably be a little bit smaller and outsource a lot more and not have to go through the staffing headaches but now that i see it all built out this is what i would want because now i can scale now I can add more properties. Now I can uh, live in San Diego and not have to be in it all the time. Whereas if I had a smaller staff and didn't have the people that I have, I would have to be in the weeds all the time doing the things that they do. So, yeah, I think I think I, I pick what I have now just because now I can, I can add to it. I can scale it. And if I decide that I don't want to go to work tomorrow, I don't have to go to work tomorrow. So that's, that's, that's the big thing to me. Do you think you can scale any bigger in Wichita or are you talking about other markets? Well, both, you know, we, we hit a point a couple of years ago where we, we did about 50 deals and we said, okay, are, are we at our max right now or can we scale more? Because it's only a market of 400,000 people. So it's not a huge market, but uh, we're on pace to do close to a hundred deals this year. And I, you know, how much more we can scale from there, I don't know. But we are dabbling in Oklahoma City, which is where Corey Boatwright lives, as you know. You're yeah. uh, <laughs> new podcastee. Are you partnering with them there? No, no. We're we're doing our own deals out there. It's only a couple hours from Wichita, so we oh, my, wow, one it. of my guys goes down there and and manages it. And our contractors actually from Wichita, if we need them, are willing to go down to Oklahoma City to help us out with some things there. So that helps out. And then uh, Kansas City's three hours north, and we've done quite a few deals there before, so that's not a new market to us. And so I'm not sure exactly where we want to scale. I mean, obviously, we want to do more in Wichita, but if we can go into other markets somewhat organically without, you know, stressing our main business in Wichita, then we'll definitely do that. Interesting. I wanted to ask you some questions about your president. Can you, was that was that a hard decision to make? Was that a hard person to find? Because that's a big deal. You're you're giving them a lot of authority. It is a huge deal. Luckily, I met him a year or two after I got into business. He actually cold called me. He had just gotten into sales, and he was selling phone book what? advertising. If anybody remembers huh. phone book, nice. Uh, and uh, yeah, so he he sold me on a $1,200 ad when I didn't have a dollar to my name. And so right off the bat, I knew he was good at sales. And then as we got to know each other over the years, he's just a great guy. Just one of those guys that you just like to be around. He's positive. He, you know, he's going to treat you right. And he was actually one of the stepping stones to my marketing because he talked me into this phone book. And the phone book was actually getting me the most return up until... I don't know, 2010, 2011. I mean, it was bringing multiple six figures to my business every single year. Wow. And about four years ago, he decided he wanted to, he got promoted and promoted and promoted. They moved into Hawaii 
to manage all of Hawaii and kind of get it back up to speed because it was dipping. So he accomplished that, and he said, you know what, I can't move up anywhere. So, hey, Tony, you've been talking over the years that you're going to hire me. I kind of said it kiddingly, but I was also serious at the same time. And timing just was perfect about three and a half years ago where he said, you know what, if you hire me, I'll move back and uh, run your operation for me. So it took me six, maybe nine months of training with him to get him where I could just go and be where I wanted to be. So it was a, a huge game changer and someone that I trust. And luckily I knew him for a long time. So I, I you know, already had that trust factor with him and knew he was a great guy and would definitely work out for my business. And I'm sure you pay him pretty well. I do. I do. I pay him a lot more than I thought I'd, I'd pay any employee. Um, but yeah, in order to find someone like that, that's going to run your operation, that's doing that volume of business. I mean, you gotta, you gotta pay him well and reward him, uh, accordingly. And yeah, so he's, he's been, uh, instrumental to my business and pay him as uh, more than anybody else I pay. So yeah, he's been, he's been great. Well, using using round numbers, Tony, if you're comfortable with this, what would you say your net margins are compared to, I mean, today, compared to where they were when you had a smaller operation? Like, maybe you could just say how much they have shrunk. <laughs> your, you know, your take-home dollar amount might still be good, right? But as far as your net income that you keep at the end of the day, it shrinks the bigger your company gets. Isn't that right? No, actually it's, it's gone up every single year, fortunately. Now, if you do the same amount of deals every single year and you're adding to your overhead, obviously your, your net income is going to go down. But what's happened is I've been able to add people to my business that are very efficient, are very good at what they do. And when I replaced myself with other people that did things better than I did, so even that I was adding that overhead, I was still able to save that amount of money by having them in place. Okay. And then by having that structure, I was able to, I'm able to scale up and do more deals and be able to bring more to the bottom line. So in the past three, two years, I think we've only added one, maybe two employees, but now we're doing 30 more deals a year. So okay. if you do the math on that, I mean, those two employees are that bringing back well. multiple, yeah, multiple returns, uh, multiple, you know, times in return of what we're paying them. So, so your net income as a percentage of your revenue has gotten bigger, actually, the last few years. Now, if you're looking at percentages, I honestly can't tell you that number exactly, but just knowing the numbers in my head of what we've done the last few years, I could say that the percentage has probably it's either gone up or stayed the same, but our, you know, we've, we've done more volume. So obviously that brings more to the bottom line. Yeah. Yeah. That's the interesting debate I always have in my head. And that's kind of why I was asking these questions is, you know, how big do I really want to grow my business? And when I start hiring more people, I get real nervous. And I'm like, uh, you know, I am making more money, but as my, my per, as a percentage of the revenue, it's the same or smaller. So, you know, I don't know. It's one of those things I wrestle with. And it's it's just, I think it depends on how good you are at building teams. And it sounds to me like that's one of your strengths, obviously, right? 
Yeah, I mean, if you can, it, it all depends on who you hire. Back five, six years ago, I was, you know, having quite a bit of trouble. Probably six, seven years ago, I was having trouble finding good people. And when I thought I had someone good that was going to grow my business, they would come in and my business would either not do anything or it might get worse because what they're doing isn't helping grow the business. So if you turn it around and you find good people, then they should do the opposite. They should help grow your business. So, you know, if, if you want to grow, don't just grow to grow. Don't just grow to add people. If you're bringing people in that are going to add value to your business and do things better than you do them, then they should pay them, you know, pay for themselves two, three, four, five, six, maybe even 10 times over of what, uh, what you pay them. So just depends on who you hire and if you really need that person or not. Yeah. Well said, Tony, do you have any good books that you learned from on how to, you know, manage people, build teams, things like that? Um, man, I've gone through so many books that I can't, and I do a lot of audio books now, which makes it a lot faster. Maybe uh, one that teams. rhymes with fraction. <laughs> fraction. Oh, good grief. <laughs> <laughs> traction. That's true. That is a good book. So there's two books that are like that. There's traction and there's scaling up. Those are two, uh, two good books. And I don't know if you, have you guys ever done the exercises that they give you in those books that you can download? No. No. <laughs> I got more important things to do. <laughs> Actually, I haven't either, but I've downloaded them and I, and I kind of see what they're trying to get you to understand and get in your head. So you don't necessarily have to do the exercises. Even if you download it and flip through it, you can kind of get in your head of what they're trying to get you to accomplish and uh, kind of work towards that. So good stuff. You know, I guess the reason why those books rub me the wrong way is because deep down inside, I don't want a business that big or that complicated. I just want it simple, you know? Mm -hmm. So uh, we, Tony, you don't know kind of the context of this <laughs> on our, one of our last podcasts, I was talking about how much I hate the book traction just because I read about a quarter of it and uh, my, some of my best friends, you know, love that book and swear by it. I just, uh, I don't know. I don't want to, because I, I know it's a, it has helped a lot of people. And for me, I just, I just got overwhelmed the more I read it. I'm like, this is, this is too. No, overwhelming. you're right. It's, no, you're right. It's not for everybody. Uh, you're, you're very smart. I've been, you know, I've been uh, following you for a long time, and you know, you've been doing it smart to where you can travel all over the world and and not have as much uh, overhead and headache. It sounds like I don't know all of your business in depth, but, uh, you know, there's different strokes for different folks, all depending on what you're looking for. Yeah. I appreciate the kind words, Tony. So, um, I, I, I can't say I, I blame you for wanting to live in San Diego. I love it there. My mom was just here from San Diego for a few days over Easter and, uh, she couldn't stop talking about how beautiful it is there. She keeps on rubbing it in. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's trying to get us to move out there. But uh, good when for did you. you. When did you live here? I lived there for about eight or nine years through grade school and up to my junior year in high school. So my get this. 
You want to talk about culture shock. Junior year in high school, I moved from San Diego to Des Moines, Iowa. Oh, shit. So no, not only did I have to now find all new friends, but, yeah, it was just totally different. And this was back in the... You had, you had nothing to do. Well, that's a crazy thing because, you know, kids in my high school in Des Moines, Iowa, they were the ones that were more into the drugs and the parties and the drinking than the kids in San Diego were. The kids in San Diego were more health conscious. You know, there's just more things to do. You know, they they still get in trouble and do stupid stuff, but it seemed like it was more prevalent. And more kids smoked cigarettes, just cigarettes, in Iowa than they did in San Diego, which was shocking to me. But, you know, the Midwest is a great place to raise a family. I like it here now. (laughs) It took me a while to adjust. I remember coming, man, from San Diego to Des Moines, and I was expecting everybody to drive tractors to school uh, to wear nice. coveralls and have cornmeal, <laughs> corn on the cob for br- lunch and cornmeal and cornflakes and and, uh, and, corn- milk cow- and, mil- and milk cows for fun. And milk cows for fun, yeah. But it wasn't like that. I was the only tan, I was the only kid in school at a tan, and uh, but I lost that pretty quickly. But anyway, <laughs> I... <laughs> Jeez. I do. Uh, I do go to San Diego as frequently as often as I can. But um, Tony, how can uh, how can people get a hold of you? If I know you do a little bit of coaching, and you do you do have a couple websites or something, can you um, give us a website that people can reach you? Yeah, you can go a couple different places. Um, TonyJavier dot com is one. J a v i e r. And then uh, if anybody is in real estate and looking to uh, kind of grow their business, I do have an event uh, you can check out. It's called uh, uh, Real Estate Masters, so R-E-M-Event.com. Again, R-E-M-Event.com. But yeah, you can go to either of those places and get in contact with me somehow and get some freebies from, uh, uh, from those sites. And if there's anything I can do to help anybody, I'd love to help out. So cool. When is your next... REM event date. I actually have one next week, Monday and Tuesday, and uh, we'll do them quarterly. So I've got another one in July. I'm doing this one in uh, sunny San Diego because everyone loves to come out here. And then, uh, so every other time I'll switch it up. Next uh, next one will probably be July in Denver, and then probably back here in San Diego at the end of the year. So we'll uh, pick some different venues that uh, we like to go to, have a little fun, and uh, learn from each other at the same time. Nice. Looks like you might have here, you can have Than and JD from fortune builders there. No, no, they just gave, they just give testimonials. Ah, So I've got the, got those on the site. Um, I, uh, yeah, I've learned a lot from them over the years. Great company, great people, but, uh, no, it'll just be, uh, it's a mastermind. So as you know, the mastermind concept, just getting good people that are doing, high-level things, get them in a room, and just work on each other's businesses for a couple days and nice. get each other to that next level, whatever that is for you. Looks good, man. Looks really good. And, again, that website, guys, is R-E-M for Real Estate Masters, event.com. And Tony Javier, J-A-V-I-E-R.com. You know, Alex, yeah, I'm going to be doing a lease options workshop in San Diego in june i think oh really we were just talking about it with my team yeah 
Actually, it's going to be sometime in late June, I believe. And so my assistant's looking at some dates. Maybe, Tony, uh, do you, could I contact you afterwards to see if you could give us maybe some good venues to look at? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I've got a few in mind that uh, some other people in the space have used. So, yeah, for sure. I'd love to help you out with that. But just FYI to anybody out there that is interested in lease options, I do them in St. Louis normally. I keep them small, probably 30 to 50 people max. Sometimes I might I might even decide to keep it smaller. But I think it's going to be, you're right, it's a lot easier to get people to San Diego than it is to St. Louis. And so oh, yeah. I'll, I'm probably <laughs> going to do one in San Diego in the summer, early summer, and then do one in or Tampa, Florida in the fall. So I'm looking forward to that. It should be cool. fun. All right. Hey, thanks, Tony, for being on the show. We sure appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Always good talking to a businessman, and you, sir, definitely are one. Yes, <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you guys. Love following you guys, and a lot of respect to you guys for what you've built here on this podcast. All right, Tony. Thank you. Hey, guys, get the show notes at realestateinvestingmastery.com, realestateinvestingmastery.com, and leave us a review at iTunes. If you like the show and you want us to keep doing it, then leave us a review on iTunes. We appreciate all those reviews. And you can also get our Fast Cash Survival Kit at realestateinvestingmastery.com. Get the show notes and the links that we talked about with Tony. When you go there, just go to the search bar at the top of the window, at the top of the, the browser page there, and just do a search for Tony, and you'll see at the top this podcast in there. All right? Hey, thanks a lot. Thanks, Alex. Thank you. See you guys. See you, Tony. Bye-bye. 